Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. It's a Dapper Devil production, see? All right, hello everybody, and welcome to another episode of Glee. Aggressive. Aggressive. Uh, pretty good, pretty good. Uh, I'll, I'll uh, figure it out in post. <laughs> My name is Karina. My name is Ian, and we have a wonderful guest today. He is a comedian, writer, and he has a fantastic weekly newsletter. I mean, unreal, so great. Um, BYOB News. Please welcome to the podcast Chris Barlow, ladies and gentlemen, and anybody in between. Yay. Hello, hello, thank you. Welcome. I'm sorry, anybody in between, if you were Jane Lynch, you would just say she mails and walk out of the room. Like, that was cool. Oh, we will get to it. <laughs> so that Because I had that note as well. That partially answers my first question, which was, how familiar are you with Glee before coming on this podcast? Uh, you know, aware conceptually in the world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a good place to be. I, you know, I am more aware now, for better or for worse. Yeah. Well, Chris was another one who I asked to be on the show, and he was like, I've never seen Glee before, and I was like, even better. It's a fun, fresh perspective that isn't clouded right. by the unfortunate dust of nostalgia. Um, exactly. But we are here today to talk about Season 1, Episode 14, titled, Hello, except I feel the need to note that it's spelled Hell-O. So Yeah, it's very clever. Very clever. Like Jello, but for Hello. Yeah, I did think at first it might be a whole episode about Jello. Something about Jello. I was primed for like a Jello. <laughs> a Jello based plot. plot. Do we get yeah. a Jello based episode in this series, Karina? Because Not I kind of want that one. That I know of, but I can't rule it out, unfortunately. Bummer. I mean, that would have been some great early two thousands corporate synergy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, though, it's the most exciting date I've yet to announce because this episode aired April thirteenth of twenty ten. Which means, A, it's the year I finally get to graduate high school, and B, we have taken a large gap of time since the last episode, which aired back in December. So, it's important to note that all episodes from here on out were made with fan feedback, basically. Right. So, for those first 13, they just produced them all, and it was a whole mini season it was its own arc we've like i mean we talked about on the previous episode like the episode 13 had some like big finale energy so we're now never seeing a glee that has not been colored by critic and fan reaction right and i think you will see that interesting (laughs) does that like shift your perspective a bit chris a little bit. I'll tell you, my best touchstone for Glee, like what explained it best to me, is a an episode of Community mm. that mm-hmm. spoofs Glee. Mm-hmm. Um, and what surprised me watching this episode was in Community, they constantly keep talking about like, we have to get to regionals. We have to get to regionals. We have to get to regionals. And then sectionals. And then and then nationals. And it, it's, it is not over the no. top in Community. No. I, I didn't realize that they were just doing exactly what the show Yeah, does, as someone who verbatim. watched both Glee and Community, yeah, I was like, oh, this isn't even a joke. They're just, uh, they're no, just They're just it. reading a script from an episode of yeah. Glee that they found on the floor. Yeah, right. probably, literally. <laughs> Dan Harmon um, broke into Ryan Murphy's office and stole, uh, I, and stole I, a script. I believe he would, yes. 
Uh, I, I love it. Um, so we have this big old recap as a result of like about six months six off months of or whatever. Yeah, wait, can I ask a yes. question? Were the recaps always this sassy? Yes. It's a very sassy yeah. recap. Yes. It's like they want you to feel a little dumb for not knowing what's going on. And mm-hmm. this one was it also worked. like even more thorough than like the past ones because of that time off. Um, I just have a note here that like the narrator was like, and they kissed. That stood out to me for some reason. Oh, about Will and Emma? Mm-hmm. Yes. Because, like, my first notes watching this was just, like, am I dumb? Like, because <laughs> am I... Because they're like, Finn and Rachel are together now, and I'm like, when the fuck did that happen? Okay, thank you, because I watched that... I saw that, too, and that was my same exact thought, because not once to this point have they established in the show that they're actually a couple. We know that Quinn... I, or Finn has broken up with Quinn because of the whole, like, Puck is the baby's father, and then, like, that came out, and, like, uh, everything went to shit. But Rachel and Finn did not get together at the end of episode 13. Okay, I literally thought I was going crazy. Because they were like, they recapped it, and if they recapped it, that means it happened. But... Right? I mean, and, like, let us know if we're wrong. <laughs> I don't know, I feel like we just did that episode. Right? Like, four days ago, I feel like I would remember yeah. if I... And as I said, I black out at the end of every recording and don't remember anything, but... Same. Oh, good. <laughs> good, you should. No, you know, I'm just thinking as you say that, I wrote multiple times in my notes, Leah Michelle scares me. Correct. And, like, <laughs> I know who she is culturally, but this is the first time I've really w- watched a whole episode of Glee and seen what her character is like. And I'm like terrified throughout and the fact that she just decided she that they're a couple makes yeah. perfect sense to me based right. on the behavior it's I've like seen. Leah Michelle went to the writers and said make sure that Finn and Rachel got together over the break you, you didn't write it into the episode but I'm willing it into existence <laughs> you can just write it into the previously on it's fine exactly it's fine. yeah and a narrate like a and a voiceover yeah. and I've never clocked you know. that before that they just got them together over the break without an episode but just imagining her being like, "Where's my writer's credit?" Um, I don't think but, I don't think Leah Michelle ever wrote it specifically. I'm I'm sure she didn't. Um, but anyway, so we start like this proper story in the hallway, our favorite place to have private conversations at yep. regular talking volume, with the "Don't rain on my parade" underscore because they're not losers anymore; they're stars now. Everybody has a newfound sense of confidence until the 35-year-old hockey player slushy them in the face. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think they retconned him, so he's a football player now, but that's not Uh-oh. an important point. <laughs> At some point, I, I think that. he becomes a... Because uh, he's wearing a jersey that looks like... That feels like a viewer feedback suggestion. Like, you know, hockey, we just don't understand it. When do you play it? What part of the year? Right. I can't play it. I still well, don't also, know. I mean, Chris, you bring up, like, what time of the year, and um, that that question is a constant in our... In our uh, recaps. Not Yeah, I have to say, ha- having listened to some episodes, I've tracked one consistent theme is, what time of year is it, question mark? Yes. And how did it get here so soon? Well, the cheerleaders yes. have taken their turtlenecks off, which means we know it's a little bit warmer. But in the next scene with, um, I get, uh, Figgins? With uh, Sue and, uh, and Figgins, um, someone says it's cold out now. Right. Um, like, so we know kind of what time of year it is, but it's like, it's cold, but it's not turtleneck season, 
but they're in Ohio, so it's not like California where it could literally be any time of year. Also, say, um, maybe it's San Francisco and just like it's cold out right now, <laughs> just at this moment. It changes very constantly. Yes. San Francisco doesn't have real weather. So. Right. Um, but, ma'am, this is Ohio. So Apparently. <laughs> and I love that Figgin says, uh, Figgin's like lays the new stakes out for all of us because now they have to win regionals because, at, quote, the lights don't run on dreams, which is a great, that's a great quote, in my opinion. It's a really good budget-minded public official right here. Yeah. Yes. Electricity which, consumption's up 2% since the Glee Club started using all the spotlights. It's, it's enormous. I mean, the climate Who's crisis is real. And then it immediately becomes uncomfortable because nothing says mid-season premiere like a casual date rape joke. Right. Mm-hmm. Just an implied, like, sex extortion. Mm. Because Sue it's is back really as... implied. No, it's pretty explicit. Right, yeah. 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 I read somewhere that was like, you could maybe argue that because Sue is, remains in her tracksuit the entire time, that it was... But, but... Uh-huh. I, there was... Someone drugged a drink. Right. And it, I guess and I was... G- made to believe that he has been assaulted. Right. But it's all fun. It's Jane Lynch. Big yikes. No, I I definitely gave him the benefit of the doubt because I'm like, well, I guess she's in the tracksuit, so I guess it's just, like, circumstantial or whatever. You know, you're you're right. Barlow's giving me a look like, you you, you poor child. Is it? I think this is someone's got their Jane Lynch goggles on. That's fair. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that's okay. But Sue's back as the coach. Um... <laughs> like what? What did she bring? Like lattes? Like what did yes. she bring with her? She Mocha. brings him a mocha with extra whip. She says to Will, "I would have gotten you one, but I don't like you." Which, um, honestly, I I, I respect it. See, that's the Sue Sylvester yeah. humor we want. And there's quite a bit of this over like the next couple episodes. Like all the problematic shit aside, like some yeah. of her lines are just objectively funny for that energy. Well, that comes back to what I was saying about how this show now exists within the realm of fan feedback. Is that? Mm. They, they were like, here's the two things that people loved about this show, which is musical numbers and Sue Sylvester. So let's just put in a lot of both. I did have an impression in her scenes with the cheerleaders in particular that she had just wandered in from like a much more devious show. Like she had just wandered in from the set of Pretty Little Liars <laughs> or The Thrilling Adventures of Sabrina. And she was like, the first two women I see will be my henchmen. And she sees these two cheerleaders and she's like, you're my henchman. And I don't really belong in this world and I'm not quite sure what my role is here, but you're going to fuck things up with me because that is my ethos. I mean, you're not far off. Yeah. Great. I mean, a show should explain itself very clearly, even if you're a first time viewer. There you go. Yeah. They're like, here's our cartoon character. That's the thrill of network television. Our cartoon character villain. And then we're also going to sing a bunch of songs and that's Glee. Glee. Yes. Um, Thank you. You're welcome. Okay, can I say, though, I didn't like any of the songs. Was I supposed to? Yes, um, but it's fair that you didn't. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, okay. I mean, like, the intention, of course, is yes, but the expectations versus reality. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There is definitely Um, people who could never like a single Glee song, and I think that's valid. Totally. And then we cut to this basketball game with, like, Finn's internal monologue. Finn is depressed again. Um, This seems to be a common theme with Finn. and all, but all the football players are on the basketball team now because it's that season, apparently. I believe that's um, how high school sports work. I have mm-hmm. no evidence to the contrary. Me neither. Great. Barlow? 
Yeah, no, that okay. makes sense. You're right. Different cool. season. Sports change like the leaves. Exactly. But athletes are forever. <laughs> yes. And they're always troubled. Yeah. They are. So So wait, he's always depressed? Has does at some point, um, does someone intervene clinically? No. Like if he's always this depressed, that's clinical depression. Um certainly no one intervenes. That is a great point great. though, which like yeah, because several episodes so far. There's just a lot of Finn, like, being tired and being sad and being confused because being a teenager is hard. And Finn has gone through some things pretty, like, Finn recently just discovered that, in succession, that he was the father, his, his high school girlfriend had gotten pregnant, told him he was the father, had his girlfriend move in with him and his single mom because he told her Christian parents and they kicked her out. And then discovered that he was not actually the father of that baby. And maybe that, I think he's also implied that he knows that his Gleek coach's ex-wife was going to try to buy that baby that he thought was his. So he has been dealing with quite a lot lately. Yeah. Okay, okay. That's like a typical school lecture. And homework. And homework, but like Uh there was that time when he was like, I I had to set my priorities so I couldn't, I stopped doing homework. Glee does not want you to see Finn as someone who could use professional help. They want you to see him as what I would call an oaf. (laughs) Yes. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, also a rock star, which we'll get into that. So Finn and Rachel are now together. We've established that Uh, Rachel is like, Rachel does some, like, out there things. Like, she makes a his and hers relationship cat calendar with, like, dates, important dates circled on them. She makes an uncomfortable Autistic Children's Theater joke, which uh, is not me, good. excuse me, they're going to see Phantom at the Autistic Children's Center. No, thank you. Yikes. Yeah, uh, that's an uncomfy joke all around. Yes, it is. Um, but Finn's still not over Quinn. I mean, fair. I get it. Um... But, and, like, meanwhile, Puck and Quinn are fighting in the background, and he just wishes he could be more like Coach Ken, who left his wife at the, or who left his fiance at the altar and, like, just stopped caring and put on weight, and, um, it's weird. Yeah, he calls it pulling a Jessica yeah, Simpson. that was a really weird That's what it was, moment. which is also, I, was it this episode where they just kind of listed all of, like, the female celebrities that we treated horribly in, like, the no, 2000s? No, that's the next one, but... It is a topic I like to talk about frequently. Yeah, so bottom line, Finn is off his game and or sucks at basketball. Yeah, not clear if he's supposed to be good at it. I don't think any of the sports people are supposed to be particularly good at their sport. That's another, like... Well, it doesn't seem like it's a school that excels in sports. It doesn't seem like a school that excels in most things. Right. Yeah. Except for cheerleading. But also... Except for cheerleading because of the whole Sue Sylvester thing. Right. Um, So we cut back to the hallway. Sue cuts a kid's hair... Uh, makes a terrible yeah mm. that moment mm. that was also clearly like the uh first scene after the commercial break after the opening mm-hmm. credits right like after opening credits the first moment of the return to glee is a really strange shemale yes. joke not even really descriptive of anything and then she follows it up with a hurricane katrina reference read my mind in, like, the same breath. I, I literally wrote, this is such an unfortunate time capsule. Yes. That's yes. really what Glee is, is an unfortunate is. time capsule. 100%. We learn more about this, like, sexu- this fake sexual encounter. Yep. Um, and it's because Sue still wants to destroy Will and the Glee Club. 
make some solid Will Schuster's hair jokes, which like he doubled uh, down on the hair jokes. Someone, someone mm. couldn't get enough of those fucking jokes after the break. Yeah. Um, because right now there's enough product in your hair to season a walk, which was pretty clever. And I saw in the credits, Idina Menzel, my queen yes. of Menzel, is here. She is. So that's very exciting for me. Um, I'm sure she'll be glad to hear that. <laughs> she's She listens to the show. She's a big fan. I hope um, so, because we talked about her a lot in that one episode. I regret nothing. Um, <laughs> now we're back in the Glee Club rehearsal, yes. and the theme is hello. We've won sectionals. Now we have to reintroduce ourselves because a rebranding is in order. But also, not, not before. Um, what do you say when you answer the phone? And... <laughs> First of all, What's that? I don't believe that Artie answers the phone and says, who dis be? Who because, be? Yeah. <laughs> but I do believe that Kurt answers the phone and has to say, no, no she's, she's dead. dead. This, this is her son. son. <laughs> yeah, I did. That like was that. a good joke. I don't really know much about Kurt's backstory, but that told me everything I want. It reminds me exactly. of that John Mulaney joke where he keeps trying to get Adam's family values from Blockbuster <laughs> and gets told yes. he sounds like a lady on the phone. Um, <laughs> yes. But I also liked it because after he says that, you pan back over to Will and he looks uncomfortable. <laughs> and I love seeing Will uncomfortable because he yes. had to grapple with the fact that one of his students has a dead mom. Um, yeah. Yep. And he is ill-equipped for this situation. And, and then I love that he goes, it was Alexander Graham Bell that used to answer the phone as, ahoy, ahoy. Why did we get rid of that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I gotta say, that whole sequence felt like a challenge being unveiled on RuPaul's yes, Drag Race. It does. Yeah, like, like you all have to come up with a hot new number that incorporates the word hello. And unlike any other time, Finn, not Finn, Will has gone and been like, here's our assignment for the week. This time people actually, like, do it. Because right. a lot of times before, yeah, Will would be first. like, let's do this. And then we're like, no. <laughs> so this time we actually do follow the rules. And try to win yes. this week's um, maxi challenge. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And one of them will lip sync for their life at the end. It's true. To be fair, and I'm not much of a RuPaul's Drag Race person, um, but I feel like all of them have been lip syncing for their lives this entire series. Correct. Yes. Correct. Um, that's a ter- that's a terrible joke. Um, hey. Anyway. So Will and Emma are back in Emma's office, and it's got this weird energy. He's like, I could just lean over and kiss you now if I wanted to. and. Oh. I feel like the rest of us are like, no, Will, it's the middle of the day and also consent. Yeah. Yeah, I, I wrote a note that just said the lighthearted workplace sexual misconduct is really charming. It's <laughs> <laughs> better than my, mo- my note, which was just, this is fine. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. like it. I don't like I Will don't and either, Emma. But... I guess I could give this, sh- I can try to give the show credit that they're trying to show this like awkward dynamic of both of them were just left by their significant others and rushed too close into a relationship, which is true. Yeah. mostly I just didn't like watching it. Right. I mean, like, it was kind of cute. Emma, like, kind of stands her ground as a... A person with OCD. Yeah. Well, she she resists the, quote, pearly white harbor, which is weird. Um, Mm -mm. We learn here Will has a place and can cook, which is, like, news because last we saw he was sleeping on a mattress in his office. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. I was like, is it news that this man who's employed at a public school lives in a home? <laughs> but, but, you know. It's, okay. It appears that 
he got the apartment in the separation from his wife, who was recently. Yes. Which I guess makes sense, because if you're the one caught faking a pregnancy, I guess you have to move out. Also, like, we know that uh, Terry has family in the area. Yes. Will, we know, has parents, and that's about it. <laughs> Will does have parents. Also, it's probably just more convenient sake that Glee was like, I don't want to make a new set, so just give Will the apartment. Yeah. Sue recruits Brittany and Santana again to be uh, Glee Club destroyers. Yeah, we've been here. Even though Santana we've made that here. very emotional speech, like, I like being Glee Club. She's still willing to destroy it. This time their plan is to seduce Finn, which... At the same time, we find nice. out. Because, like, they approach him in the hallway, and he's like, I think I'm dating Rachel. And it was like, so why did the recap say they were a power couple? Why did she make uh, cat calendars? And why is he saying, I think I'm dating Rachel? So, for me, it means that over the unknown amount of time that has passed between sex journals and when we are now in school, that Rachel, in her head, was like, he broke up with Quinn, and I know he liked me, so we must be dating now. And Finn was like, I'm not opposed to this, but I didn't agree to it. Right, that's, yeah, that's what I was gathering as well. Or, Rachel is like, we are dating, and Finn is like, we are seeing each other. Which, Mm. those are Mm. two very similar phrases that mean two very different things. Yeah, the amount of times Finn says, I think I'm dating Rachel in this episode is large. He's very confused. Oh, because he's with, oh, because this wasn't, he was with uh, Will. Yeah. Because Will's like, we have to, like get you to be okay with just being you like this is like this is about like say hello to like the new finn hudson yeah this was the scene that confirmed that will has overshared with his students because he once again tells finn you know i know how you feel regarding the fact that they both realized that they weren't fathers to babies um right which is a weird thing yeah normal way that a teacher relates to his student exactly both find that out at the same time and they and you you become and you tell him you say hey yeah yeah you Sixteen year old, it. we're having similar life experiences right now. That's totally normal. You and me, not so different. Yeah. I mean, I what I do appreciate is that this fucking band is like on call because they are just always ready to go with whatever fucking song you throw at them. I respect it. I want it. Do I believe it? No, but no. I want it. And they even like joke about it in this episode because Finn's like, "Oh, that's right. why the band's here." Like. Exactly, like I appreciated that they did that. They've heard us, and Um, they're like, we get it. The the band shouldn't know every song. So let's do The Doors. Hello, I love you, won't you tell me your name by The Doors. Um, (laughs) Apparently it's about Quinn in his mind. Um, This, I I just happened to also be uh, recently uh, editing the episode that JW was a guest on, Mm -hmm. and um, we get back to, like, the, the cheerleaders are there as, like, the eternal backup dancers yeah. which was pretty cool i mean like finn does fine with this numbers i don't know who's doing the backup vocals but fine right i did notice that i was like who's who's backing him up <laughs> but the fact that like we have um the whole like music video element of it like i really like that um even though i wrote lol cheerleaders just humping the lockers i yeah. mean this goes back to what i was saying that they added a lot more music because they love people love it and they sort of gave up for the most part, about making sure each number felt grounded in the world. They were very much like, we can make it, like, a performance doesn't have to feel realistic, even if it's partially realistic. Like, I believe that we started in the auditorium and finished in the Glee Club, but all that middle stuff can be a little fantasy sequence. Which I buy. Yeah. Yeah, that's maybe the least outrageous part of the show. (laughs) 
Now, I think Finn did a pretty good job on this song because Finn excels at, like, it's like well said, he excels at sort of classic rock numbers more so than anything else. He does, but, like, I don't know. Like, I don't really buy Finn as, like, this, like, classic rock star. Maybe it's just because I think he's he always looks awkward when he, like, dances. I don't buy it for him like emotionally. They made that joke about his dancing yeah. too. That was my next note where Brittany was like, you're a great dancer. And he was like, my feet weren't moving. And she was like, that was the best part. True. Yeah. I don't buy him emotionally as a rock star, but like in terms of what Corey Monteith's voice can handle, like right. this is when he Absolutely. sounds his best. Yes. Yes. I don't buy him emotionally like no. period. So, no. sure. you know, rock star, fine. Well, and like what I think I realized, I forget if it was th- if it was this episode or next episode, but like if Finn's thing were that he were like this singing drummer dude, mm-hmm. which like maybe it's because I'm not a drummer, but I'm like that is so impressive to me as anyone who can sing and play drums at the same time. That is clearly where um, Corey Monteith is like the most confident, yeah. and like I feel like that's where he gives his best performances, which is when he's on the drums. Like if that were his thing, I think like. I don't know. I feel like I would buy it more. Fair. Yeah. I mean, I think I've mentioned this before. I don't remember if I was when we were recording, though. But, like, when he auditioned, he didn't send in, send in any footage of himself singing. He sent in footage of himself drumming. That's what Corey Monteith is good at, is playing the drums. The singing right. is all learned for the show. And it shows yeah. sometimes. Absolutely. But then uh, Santana and Brittany ask him out. Early uh, normalization of thruples, good for Glee. Then we cut to, I guess it's the next day, because Finn dumps Rachel in the hallway. Yeah, sure. After he uh, went on this date with Brittany and Santana. Um, I think he, I think he doesn't even go on the date with him, with them. I think they offer to go out with him. Oh, this is before. Yeah, they okay, offer okay, to okay. go out with him, both of them. And then Rachel kind of sees him talking to her and is like, I need you to be honest with me because we're in a relationship now. And Finn goes, I don't think I want to date you, which is very honest. And she did ask. Um, So now they're not dating, even though I didn't know that they were. It's a very sudden plot, but that's fine. Then we're in the choir room and Finn is making the best small talk ever, which is declaring that he thinks Hawaiian pizza is the best pizza because it has both pineapple and ham on it. (laughs) And I was like, First of all, Finn, way ahead of the game of, like, the 2020 debate about whether or not pineapple good is good on pizza. And also, of course, of course Finn just loves Hawaiian pizza. Because pineapple and ham, it's all your food groups. Well, it's also the only two things you could name on a Hawaiian Correct. pizza. Correct. Is there anything else on a Hawaiian pizza? No. I mean, cheese. Okay. Well, yeah. Maybe maybe some onions. I don't know. No. I don't know. If he came out and he was like, Hawaiian pizza is the best pizza because it's the only one with both pineapple and red onions, I, I would be a little more impressed. No. <laughs> Finn, this is the most exotic food Finn has ever eaten. And it's because... 100%. Because it says Hawaiian If in the you title. asked Finn what a mango was, he would not know. Like, uh, I can guarantee you right now that Finn has never seen a mango. I love this idea of, like, let's name all the things that Finn does not know about. It's a, it's a like lot. That's a long list. He's never seen a mango. I know. He doesn't know what a dragon fruit is. He's never been to a Thai restaurant. God, no. <laughs> He'd be like my, like, this more of one of my old southern relatives who got taken to a Chinese food restaurant and ordered wonton soup and asked why there was toilet paper in her food, so. Oof. 
Yikes. Mm. That's some just casual southern racism, so, you know. Oh, right, that's the southern part of your mm-hmm, family. Mm-hmm. And then we just basically launch right in, right to another song. Right which, away! Which gives you hell by All American Rejects, which was, uh, like, I feel like this is also, and correct me if I'm wrong, Karina, this is where we start to see, like, the songs of, like, the time in that zeitgeist start to show up, because 2010, Gives You Hell had only been out for, like, a couple years, right? Like, it was still pretty recent. I mean, uh, that, well, that's the Glee cast recording. So the regular version came out in 2008. Okay. I mean, as someone who, uh, was a high schooler in 2010, I'm not saying I definitely used to listen to this song when one of the boys I liked was, um, decided to get back together with his shitty ex-girlfriend and I would listen to this in my iPod and just go, like, glare at him. I would walk by and glower, you know. This is why we're friends, Like you do. So, I'm watching this, I'm like, boy, Rachel, same hat, like. (laughs) (laughs) I also, in my head, was singing to him and, like, hoping that the whole school would back me up. So, like. This number, was it good? I don't know. Was it relatable? Absolutely. I I mean, I actually, I mean, I thought it was, okay, well, like, I, I kind of, like, went through a whole, like, journey watching this number, because at first I was like, I love this song, but I don't need this cover, but then, like, everybody kind of just started getting into it, and, yeah. like, Rachel Berry was, like, actually being part of an ensemble, and part of what I loved about this episode was that, like, they were all friends now, like, all of, like, the whole, like, sort of, like, Rachel versus everybody kind of, like, I'm sure we see it come up all the time going forward, Mm -hmm. but Rachel just being an ensemble player in this, like, was really refreshing and really cool, and, like, seeing everybody, like, Mike Chang just, like, dancing his ass off and like everybody just rocking along to it like i loved that and like this arrangement of it with everybody doing like background vocals that previously didn't exist i thought that was really cool yeah i just wanted it in a different context but i'm asking too much because it's glee Glee. um yeah i think that's well said i would have enjoyed that song in another context was the other context not in the show glee okay yeah so Uh Uh yeah that's like okay (laughs) In a vacuum. In the vacuum of space. I'm gonna say it again, but, like, I could imagine, like, a universe where, like, this was part of, like, Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist, and this, um, arrangement came up, and I would have loved it, like, I mean, even more so, because I love that show. Right. But I will stop talking about that show for now. Um. Well, no, I want to talk about that show for a second, because it's not my cup of tea, but what I appreciate about it compared to Glee is that it's actually about adults, where Glee is actually about adults, but it's about children which is creepy. It is uncomfortable. Especially because they interact with adults who treat them like adults because it's a show that's actually about adults. Right. I think... Because everybody's 30. I don't think Ryan Murphy understood that he had basically made a show for high schoolers when he started making this show. Because from what I understand, none of Ryan Murphy's other shows previous to this were for the younger crowd. I don't know. I never watched Nip Tuck. But Me neither. No, I was going to say, as somebody who watched a lot of Nip Tuck, yeah, no, Nip Tuck was not marketed to the, so, like, 15 and under I didn't crowd. think so. No. So I and feel like Ryan American Murphy... American Horror Story is definitely not 16. No, but 16 they under. watch it. Probably because it's course. made by the guy who made Glee, and they're like, well, he loves well, kids. So I feel like sometimes Ryan Murphy was working on the fly to be like, uh-oh, a baby could watch this show. I don't know how right. to write for babies. <laughs> Instead of Leah Michelle uh, glowering, Will Schuster was glowering during this because yes. Rachel didn't follow the rules. 
Well, and nobody understands the seriousness of this. And I was like, first of all, Will, um, your rules are bullshit. They're, they're just supposed yep. to be singing good songs, so I'm sorry. They did a nice job. Give them some credit. Second of all, you didn't tell anyone else the stakes until just now, so how can you be mad at them for not knowing <laughs> right? the stakes, William? <laughs> William. Uh, my patience for Will is going down with every episode. I don't blame you. <laughs> but guess, what, guess who we see next? Guess what time Jonathan it is. Jonathan Groff, baby. It's Jonathan Groff time. It's Ooh. Jonathan Groff that was with a, a beautiful 2010 era haircut, looking like he's Jim from The Office. And yes. I love to see it. But like a very fidgety Jim who can't sit still. He's theater kid Jim, yes. yes. He's theater kid yeah. Jim. Um, also, I guess we're in a library. Is this a library, Karina? No, this it's a bookstore. Yeah. At the end of this song, okay. not until the end, did I write a note that went, wait, were we in a library this whole time? And did they all burst out into applause at the loud song they sang in the middle of the library? I believed it was a bookstore. Um, which doesn't necessarily I mean, make it that's better. That's only barely better. I'm sorry. It makes sorry. it like, I know, I know there are bookstores where you could go and like... Maybe not in the real, real world, but somewhere there's a bookstore with a piano that sells sheet music, and everyone goes I mean, there to try to be discovered. And... The Barnes and Nobles in Union Square is the closest thing I can think of. And even that, because there's, like, an event space in it, which is just, like, on the third floor of that bookstore, and, like, even then, it's, like, it's still uncomfortable to, like, speak louder than, like, a, a stage whisper. Ian, have you ever walked into a place that has a piano and played it without anyone asking you to? Maybe when I was, like, eight and, like, less self-conscious, okay. but no. It, it, it's the kind of thing that if you do it, people around you will just assume that it was supposed to happen. Yeah. Yes. But everyone in yes. the bookstore is like, ooh, publicity stunt. Oh, okay. That was, wow. I love this impromptu Barnes & Noble song series. <laughs> yeah. Could have saved Barnes & Noble, I'm just saying. Uh, <laughs> I love Jonathan Groff. I have a giant soft spot for this character, I love that he says, I've got a full ride to a little place called University of California, Los Angeles. You might have heard of it. <laughs> it's in Los Angeles. He's got some, just, uh, I love it. I would watch him. I love the white male thing. Rachel Berry confidence. Yes. Like, like, I remember when I used to get nervous and I said, oh, fuck you, you sociopath. <laughs> but it's also like so perfect for the character. You look at him and you believe it. You look at him and you believe it. And also, I fully believe that this character would start playing piano in the bookstore library because he feels oh, like it's, 100%. His, it's not only his privilege, oh, it's, yeah. it's their privilege to hear him doing it. Yes. Well, he said, you know, he plays the, the piano yes. for the homeless to give back. <laughs> um, right? Uh, also, there's an orchestra in this store. <laughs> this band is just everywhere. They we must be making a little great bit money. To the right, and there was some a string section, so... I will say, when we describe a lot of the things that happen on this show, like, you know, weather that makes no sense, bookstores with live orchestras, I'm like, that is Los Angeles, yeah. actually. Like, part of that is, like, yeah, if you live in California and you write a show that takes place in Ohio, you're like, what's weather like in Ohio? I don't know. It's cold sometimes. <laughs> what happens in a bookstore? Well, you know, when I went to this one in Santa Monica yesterday, an orchestra played. Okay. You know what? This is a lot like that one episode where they decided that this high school in Ohio had a full steel drum club, which sounds like something that would happen in California. Don't they all? Um, and yes. I liked this number also because it had Rachel Berry falling in love over the course of a single duet again. 
which remains <laughs> to be very much in character for her. Which, it, yeah, it's not only, like, in character, it's a repeated behavior. Um, I went to open a new tab to find out when the Spring Awakening uh, OBC soundtrack d- dropped. Um, it, okay, so here's the thing about the Spring Awakening OBC soundtrack, yeah. because of course I know this shit. I don't like, um, why did I even bother Googling? So, so, I believe the production opened in 2007, because it won the 2008 awards. It, uh, first performance um, was 06, but, apparently. Um, on, on Broadway or off Broadway? It doesn't say. Well, because I know the off because the soundtrack that they recorded was from the off Broadway run, um, right? Like because like the orchestrations are a little different, some of the lyrics are a little different. Um, so I believe, if my memory serves, if my geekish, albeit almost completely suppressed um, theater nerd memory serves me correctly, it was like. Okay, we're going to Broadway, so in between Off-Broadway and Broadway, we're, we're, we're going to record the show as it is. And then a lot of stuff changed mm. between the two, namely lyrics and, like... Yeah. So um, it, it came out in, like, 2007. Okay. Well, short story long, we're going to say 2007. Okay. I'm sorry, guys. So that means we're three years, and we're still probably capitalizing off the Leah Michelle-Jonathan Groff pairing as as a selling point for this, for him to be coming on playing 1, a love 1,000%. Interest. Well, oh, yeah. Because if you think about the teams that, the teens that were watching Glee were the teens that, like, they ported over from the Spring Awakening fandom. I never was in the Spring Awakening. I've never listened to all of Spring Awakening all the way through. I love it. Yeah. It's, I'm sure it's good. <laughs> it won awards, I assume. It did. All right. Well, one day. People think it's good because it's German. It, to me, it I always mean, re- did read as one of those musicals that's good because it's sad. Okay. I mean, that is a big part and of I mean, it. You know, there's there's a, a case to be made. Did it win a Tony? For just sad things being better than happy things. I, I, I'm there. As an angsty 16-year-old uh, watching a show about a- angsty 16-year-olds, it, it resonated. I mean, they were like, this show sure. said the fuck word. So we're going to give it Oh, yeah, words. that was a big thing. Yeah, Totally Fucked mm. was everything. Yeah, the only song I've listened to is, I like, as I was a teenage girl, so I watched the Tony performance of Bitch of Living multiple times, so we've all been there. I mean, not not my first choice of performances. Okay. I'll shut up. <laughs> so, um, away from our, our... Spring Awakening tangent, because they're singing Hello by Lionel Richie, and they agree to do more of this Friday night. Cute. Now's the date. Now is the now, date where the three yes. of them... And, like, Santana's just rude to the waitress because they eat most of their pasta and we're like, I want to send this back. And Yeah, I mean, they would the be terrible. Like, well, I'm confused. I don't understand why they need to send it back to get more for free when then also they're not paying for um, it. I think that's probably just their usual grift and they were, like, used to it. Sure. Um, right. Do what you I do. think also, I think Santana in particular just gets joy out of being terrible to servers. Tracks. Probably makes her feel better about herself. Brittany says hers had a mouse in it. (laughs) That was really funny, though. Um, And then they just hang out with each other, and Finn's like, can you include me in your conversation? And they're like, no, it should be good enough for you to watch us talk and then eventually make out. I mean, I read that as they make out with each other. Yes. Yes, right? Like, what I I read into that was, like, if you moved this ten years into the future, they would be launching their OnlyFans page. And oh, selling sure. him on it. 100%. Yeah. And, like, this is also part of, like, the fandom, like, paying off. Because in the last episode, like, there's that whole joke. Like, there's that whole, like, off remark of, like, 
if sex were equal to dating, then Santana and I would be dating. And There was one throwaway line about them being together, and everyone was like, you mean there could be lesbians on this show? And then they no, were like, oh, God, God, no, God, we have to write lesbians. No, no. No. But give right. it a couple years. Um, um, then Brittany says that, uh, asks a very good question, which is, did you know dolphins are just gay sharks? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which which is, like, that's one of Britney's, like, iconic lines. That's one people remember. I mean, and Chris, as a writer, I, I mean, I, at least in my opinion, a great blackout line. Yeah, it is. It is. The thing is, like, yes. those characters just, they could have used that line in any scene ever. Just, yes. it, it, it is just, you know, it's a good line on its own. Had yeah. nothing to do with, um, you know. Oh, no. With anything. Um, they just like giving Heather Morris increasingly ridiculous things to say and watching her say it with a straight face. Didn't want to gloss over the fact that one of them says Rachel Berry looks like Pippi Longstocking but is really and the stockings make her look homeschooled. That was uncomfortable. Yikes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we know she's Jewish, but that doesn't mean she's Israeli. I don't know why I felt the need to say that, but... There you have you it. You know, they're going to keep dabbling with other weird Jew jokes, and we it's, should tell them that they shouldn't. As I, John Mulaney would say, playfully anti-Semitic. That's, uh-huh. Yeah. That's what this show is, but for everything. For, yeah, they're equal like, opportunity. What if we're playfully anti-Semitic? What if we're playfully racist? Right. Playfully transphobic. Playfully homophobic. You know. Very transphobic. Oof. But, they're, but no, this show's progressive, and it's doing things no other TV show ever has. Great. In yes, by making sensitive white men relatable. Yes, which is what we needed more of. Truly. Speaking of sensitive white huh. men, <laughs> we go to the the scene that just made me cringe the whole time I was watching it, which is Emma and Will slow dancing in his apartment. I just wrote, no, stop, no, 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 this is wrong, no, no. Correct. Oh, good for you two for having responses because my only note here was bored. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. It involves... First of all, I, I you know, I live with my husband. Um, Good. Anytime you just start slow dancing in a room, it's weird. No one ever looks normal doing that. Can I tell it's you not that? A good that time. I was literally just wondering, like, do normal people slow dance just like on a Tuesday night? Not really. And, like, I just thought about this and thought, yeah, when that's appropriate, is you just heard the war is over. And yeah. you embrace your beloved because you don't have to go back to the front. And the old Victrola starts playing your song. That's when slow dancing at home is appropriate. Yeah, it's really like... The one time. Sometimes, sometimes you do a big hug and you sway a little bit. And you're like, this is oh. almost... Like, that's what yeah. white people do when they slow dance. But you don't just walk around your apartment slow dancing and then uncomfortably close to someone's face singing uh, Neil Diamond to them. Right, because it was another hello song. He's Neil Diamond, right? I don't know. I didn't know this one. I just knew that. Like, oh, great, another hello song. He was like, I was inspired by my assignment, and I said, fuck you. (laughs) Like, um, (laughs) that's very funny. Also, um, it was Neil Diamond. Yes, because Neil Diamond had previously said that they could use Sweet Caroline, and then immediately tried to take it back that they weren't allowed to use it. Oh no! And but they had already recorded it, so then he was like, "I guess." So they, he said, "Yeah, you can use my songs." And then he went, "Actually, wait, no, I don't want you to do that." But I mean, then it was too late. To his credit, that was one of the better songs. Um, so yeah, it's very uncomfortable. They sing, they sing Neil Diamond, and then and then we get the big reveal, which is that uh, Emma is a virgin. I mean, you know, good for you for 
waiting for the right guy, I guess. Um, I like that his response was, let's put on a movie. That's Dude. what you do. Yeah, when... I was like, oh, that's the alternative <laughs> to having sex. You can. I feel like that's a very boy response yep. to be like, I can't touch your boobs, so do you want to watch a movie instead? <laughs> mm-hmm. We will sit in silence. I don't know how to talk to you now that I know we now can't that, have sex. Yeah. I didn't plan conversation topics for this night. Um, also, they only have Bruckheimer movies. And the only two Yeah, of them. that also was another moment where I was like, wow, what an unfortunate time capsule. I mean, mm-hmm. again, this... Uh, I forget which of our guests said it, but Glee is a very... Is a show about sad people pretending to be happy. I said that. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> I said that, and I ripped it from a, an old review. <laughs> That's like one of the theses of the show. Oh god, I'm sorry, Karina. <laughs> to be fair, I just I'm maybe I'm just like a guest on every episode. Um very uh, good. Uh yeah, it's just more tension, whatever. I don't really care about Will and Emma even a little bit. We've talked um, way too much about this already. Anyway, we're so back in the hallway. We can move on. Yeah, Finn, having gone on a shitty date with two girls who don't actually like him, was like, actually, Rachel, I do want to date you, because Finn's kind of a shitty person. Yeah. And then she's like, no, I've moved on. And Finn does have a singular good response, which is for him to say, oh, do I know him? Is he bigger than me? Which is, of course, the only Uh metric about is someone is better than you is regarding their size. Right. Um, Um, He's a boy. So, <laughs> my only notes in this scene are when I guess Rachel says our love is real, and when I guess Finn says Mr. Shu, we have a problem. Yeah, because everyone decides that Rachel. Well, Finn, out of I think just being a shitty jealous boy, decides that Rachel dating someone from the enemy team, right, um, mm-hmm. is because, cause for alarm. I don't know if we actually talked about the fact that like. Jonathan Groff is, like, the Rachel Berry of the opposite, of, like, the enemy vocal, not, uh, vocal adrenaline. Vocal adrenaline, The rival high school glee club. Um, So, like, it's a whole big, like, quote, Romeo and Juliet thing, um, and a whole big, like, source of drama that, like, the the two stars from, like, the two opposing schools are now dating, but, quote, their love is real. Is it, though, Ian? Is it? Well... Don't you think it's kind of suspicious, Finn asks, and everybody else said yes. You know, he does. If it wasn't already clear that this teacher has a completely inappropriate relationship with his students, the idea that one of his students could walk in confidently and say, we have a problem, and that problem is another uh, teenager's intimate relationships, and we must stop it. Yeah. We uh must. And he takes it so seriously, he drives three hours to a rival high school show choir rehearsal. Oh, that's true. Just to check in on them, to be like, what's going on here? Is that it's how enough long... of a problem. Is that how long a drive um, was? I can tell you. I think I might have pulled that number. Um, okay. Is there a Carmel, Ohio? I think there <laughs> that's is. That's Carmel, Ohio. Once so. again, I feel like this is California logic, where they're like, how long <laughs> must it take to drive from one part of Ohio to another? I don't know, 30 minutes. There's no traffic <laughs> there. It's Ohio. I mean, this is like... Later in um, the Glee universe, they get really uh, trashed for not understanding um, how time works. Let's see. Directions from Carmel to Lima. I cannot be the only person who has Googled this. It is two and a half hour drive. That... Yeah. Uh-huh. That's a long ass time for a day trip, for an afternoon. Yeah. To check in because one of your students 
has started seeing a guy who goes to that school. Right. Which means it's all, like they're not seeing each other a lot. I don't think Rachel can drive. Right. She's only 15, right? Yeah. So, but fine. We it's nice that Will goes to Carmelo, Ohio because we get to see Ian's Wait, he's a favorite senior woman. dating a 15-year-old? He's 17, yes. she's 15, I think. Yeah. Mm. I don't know. That's the real scandal. They buried the lead there. <laughs> yeah, he's a cool older guy. Yeah. That always yeah, works no. out. Also, they she might be 16, but I, um I don't know. I guess it depends on where your cutoff age is, but that's not really what Lee wants us to be thinking right, about. Like we, yeah, Lee we're splitting doesn't hairs want here. us thinking about our cutoff ages? I don't know. Just I like mean... they don't want me to be thinking about their insurance policies. <laughs> right. <laughs> or their fiscal school year. Like, Yeah. Um, but uh, Will sneaks into this vocal adrenaline practice where Jesse is leading Highway to Hell, which, I mean, like, Another sad situation where, like, Jonathan Groff doesn't need this much auto-tune. Good for uh, Vocal Adrenaline for having enough money for pyrotechnics. That's cool. Um, it was, were they dancing good? Uh, kind of. I don't, like, I don't even okay. remember the dancing, so probably not. Um, fair enough. But to be this fair... This was really Vocal Adrenaline featuring Jonathan Groff. Right. So... Well, and he's to the be only fair, one who knows how to smile. Exactly. I did because, like this. I liked that. Adina Menzel wants a a look that's so optimistic it could cure cancer because otherwise it's like watching beige paint dry, which I am going to use that. I'm going to use it's like watching beige paint dry whenever possible from now on. (laughs) I like that she says take five, drink a Red Bull. Yeah, I did appreciate that. There are the little things in this show where I'm like, right, you are self-aware. You do know what you're making. But at the same time, you're like, I, I I want to cash the check, so I will the, say the they're dating. Are I will make between. the inappropriate relationship happen because that will lead to the cliffhanger for next week. Mm-hmm. Right. I I I'm sorry already, but my note here is insert tangent here about how much I love Adina Menzel and how solid of an actor she is and how little credit we give her because she's known as like this singer who's kind of vocally like um, uh, what's the word? Um, not like untrustworthy, but like she's vocally untrustworthy. No, well, because like, what does that mean? Like you never know if she's going to give a solid vocal performance. Oh, okay, inconsistent. Inconsistent. Thank you. Um, Although I do like the idea that her voice is untrustworthy. <laughs> yes, <laughs> can't trust that voice. But like, she's an incredible actor. I don't think she gets enough credit for it. And like, for like the small little scene that she had here, I thought she was great. Um, she doesn't even get to sing a song. She doesn't even get to sing a song yet. I know. Um, foreshadowing. My only note was, hey guys, remember when remember when they called her Adele Dazeem? Yeah. <laughs> I was just thinking about that. It was like, for a lot of America, how they know her is Adele Dazeem. Right. Yeah. She and was great in Frozen. She yeah, was. Yeah, that's true. But guess what? So they're here. They don't trust each other. Um, and then suddenly they're making out on the couch. Which I loved. Yeah. That's how um, most things happen to white men in you know that era yeah uh i like that shelby which is her name her character's name is shelby i guess we didn't we can't she's idina and she's very much just like going with the flow she's here to make out with people even if they're gay apparently and then she turns out to be very wise yes because Mm -hmm. then she she turns into the wise guest star who tells will to maybe get his act together well she's the character who has like the ethical slut on her you know nightstand 
just yes. casually there. You know that she's woke. You know she understands. Yes. Right. She reads a newspaper that's not from her hometown. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And she, but she basically tells Will, like, hey, Will, um, you haven't been on your own since you were 15 years old, which, yikes. Um, Big yikes. So maybe instead of jumping from relationship to relationship, you need to learn how to be a person on your own, which is actually just good advice. It's just we good advice. We rarely get good advice on this show, so. That is basically the advice he was giving Finn earlier in the show. Yes. Uh, right. But he's dead. Yes. I would also point out Finn does not take that advice whatsoever. Mm-mm. Right. Mm-mm. And if you think about, like, you've... If Will is actually 30 then he's been in yeah. this relationship for literally half his life. That like, is correct. so upsetting. Very yep. upsetting. Yeah. Anyway, everyone's mad at Rachel because of her relationship. Um, they think Jesse St. James is suspicious. Yeah. Like, they threaten to kick her out because everyone is replaceable. Um, because now they're Even finally you, a team. Even you, Rachel. Um, now they're finally uh, a yep. team. And how can you do this to us? Yeah. Nothing says team solidarity like ostracizing a member of the team. Exactly. Your star, even. Your yeah. star. Mm-hmm. Your leading lady. I, like, kind of don't want to talk about this, like, old maids club of, of McKinley High. Once again, though, I li- this is a moment where I feel like Jane Lynch's character has walked in from a different, wackier sitcom. <laughs> mm-hmm. She is yeah. on another show, and then she just, like, narrates to explain how she brought those characters onto this show and mm-hmm. and you kind of squint and go oh that that actually that explanation doesn't make it better and <laughs> at the same time that explanation does not explain why this scene is happening like you failed on both accounts it's both worse and i still don't get why it's happening i went through a whole like mental monologue here where i thought to myself where is Susie pepper but then i remembered that she clearly got therapy as we discussed yeah. a couple episodes ago, so good for Susie Pepper. That's a character that you have not met, Chris. Um, Great. If she got she, out, she is living her best life. Correct. Actually, that ended up being what had happened, so. Um, I didn't like the Old Maid Club, but I was slightly less upset when I found out it was something that Sue had orchestrated and not a real club that I fully believed the school would just have. Right. Um, Because I would believe that McKinley would just have... uh. They had a chastity club, why not an old maid club? On, on the one hand, I agree, and on the other hand, when she cuts back to, like, find me the teenagers with thyroid problems. Yeah. yeah. I, it, it both, like, again, tried to make it better, and then the explanation was somehow even more uncomfortable. Yes. That's because they want to use Sue as someone who can say anything because she's insulting everyone and it doesn't you, land. You do realize if they rebooted it, she would have become president for four years. Yeah. Then, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That's like the thesis of this show is you can say these things in the, from the safety of the Obama era. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we do get the great Britney one-off line where Sue says anything else and Britney says, sometimes I forget my middle name. I, I love did it. like that. Mm-hmm. I just, That's my kind like of humor. Little, they're little nuggets of, of Britney lines. They're beautiful yeah. and when they're used sparingly, they're wonderful. Exactly. Um, but... Speaking of sparingly, Terry's back to pick up her last two Bruckheimer DVDs. Yeah. Um, and then... I think Terry's very well used here. Agreed. Agreed. 
she drops this like bomb on Emma that uh, that hello song by Neil Diamond was their prom song, and then leaves, but not before like flicking one spoon out of place. So that sets off a whole thing in Emma's mind. Yeah. I think Terry's a very well deserved bitch here because she just got dumped and. The man who dumped her is already moving on to another woman that he was clearly having an emotional affair with while they were together, and he thought she was pregnant. Um, right. So, yes, while it's right that her and Will are broken up, I can see where how she's hurt. And I also totally buy that Will's the kind of person who would try to repurpose his prom song into their song for his new girlfriend without totally. really realizing it. Um, I don't, I also find it suspicious that they had a prom song, but whatever. Well, yeah, I found that whole reveal confusing just as like, mm-hmm. as a human who went to a high school and went to a prom, I was like, what are you talking about? The prom Can I song? ask a question on that note? Because yeah. we're jumping ahead a little bit, but like, did anybody's prom or junior prom have a theme? Because apparently sure. there was, like, like medieval our, fantasy. Ours was, like, a night at the Oscars. And, like, everybody dresses pretty. And there's, like, a rope line. I think oh. one year was, like, know, under the sea. I know that proms have themes my high schools, but we only had one prom, and it was prom-themed. The theme um, is not a song. That would be, like, a hyper-specific theme. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. I mean, my prom, both my prom's theme was prom. So I... Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was just genuinely curious if that but actually. But do you mean your people. prom's theme was the musical The Prom? Because that again would be a very specific Ooh. theme. Ooh. Was James Corden there? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry if he was. <laughs> um. That's who that guy was, right? It's all coming back to me. Oh, oh yeah. You're a British man at my prom. Um, yeah. The thing about this of Will have like Terry revealing that it was their prom song. So I had remembered this scene. But in my head, I had remembered it as Will. That was their wedding song because, because that's that a thing a much, that exists in the that's universe. a real thing, uh-huh, uh-huh. and that packs a bigger punch. That was yeah. like, oh right, this that's... is Will and Terry's wedding song. But also, he's a real dick if he forgets his wedding song. So that mm. is the emotional beat they're looking for. Right. This is a random question, but so now that we know that Will and Terry were together since he was fifteen, how old were you when you think they were they when you think they got married? Did they ever say how long? They never said how long they were married, did they? No, but they've been together since high school. So were they a married right out of high school couple or did they wait? Because Will at least has a degree. Yes. It's unclear if Terry does. So did they wait till Will was graduated from college to get married or were they married in college? He gives off the kind of sociopathic vibes that makes me think he would have said, we have to wait until I have my degree. Yeah. I have to prioritize my studies over the wedding. Right. Like, there yeah. was a promise ring involved in, like, yes. sophomore yes. year of oh high my school God. of college. Sophomore year of they college. They were pre-engaged starting yes. sophomore year of college. You're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. And then, like, graduation day, he proposed while he was, like, in his cap and gown because it's like, oh, I told you. Like, right. I promised. And then, like, they probably had, like, a three-month engagement because maybe Terry was like, no, I'm fucking tired of waiting. Like, marry me now. Um, yeah. And he was like, okay, yeah. Um, fascinating stuff. You're absolutely right. I think we've nailed this. Yes. We'll write um, the send in, for Ryan Murphy. Send in your thoughts to gleeaggressive at gmail.com. Um, beautiful. What's happening next? Oh, we go... Rachel somehow drives two and a half hours to Carmel High School to 
meet with Jesse St. James in the Vocal Adrenaline No, no, he's just Jesse. He wants to introduce just Jesse. Right. Yes. Don't need to know Jesse St. James, just Jesse. Um, so I will have the unfortunate admission that this scene, up until the weird eye-kissing part at the end, got me, like, 100% like a teenage girl that I was like, oh, look at him. <laughs> he looks so sweet and nice to her and is just saying all these nice things. I know he's probably a bad guy because of the weird eye-kissing um, <laughs> at the end. But up until that point, I was like, oh, look at them. I was the opposite. He's trying to be a good match for Rachel. Well, you're not a teenage boy, Ian. <laughs> we made I... that abundantly clear. Okay, well, two things. I, I definitely, like, aimed for that energy when I was a 17-year-old boy. I definitely did not achieve it, or at least I don't think I achieved it. But also, I mean, yeah, I just was the reverse of everything you thought until I saw Dina Menzel lurking in the shadows, because of course I'm going to love Adina Menzel lurking in the shadows. I just right. really don't like how much eye contact they were making. Uh, making eye contact with someone else while kissing is just a universally gross thing to look at. Oh, no, at. that's gross, but... I just think Jonathan Graff has a lot of charisma. He does. You're not Especially wrong. when we've been dealing with Cory Monteith and Finn, who has the charisma of a baked potato, to, like, <laughs> yeah. to see this man come in and, like, try. Uh, you make really good points that are just undermined by the creepy woman in the shadows watching. Exactly! Take away that last part, and it's just a boy being nice to a girl, and God, we don't see enough of that on this show. Yeah, but then there's... There's a reveal that Idina Menzel and Jesse have something shady going on. <laughs> or they have something wholesome but inappropriate going on where she likes to watch. Oh, no. oh God. I realize I that's the that plot of, like, FX's The Teacher. But you know what? It's a little different. Um, he just, it's such prolonged eye contact. With the, like, yeah, it really <laughs> yuck, is. Yuck, yuck. But, yeah, Rachel and Jesse decide to... The, their Romeo and Juliet love is more important than Glee Club. I'm so sorry that I'm just imagining Cory Monteith as a baked potato. Like, you just open your oven and he's just, like, sitting there. It's like that 2020 time when that person changed their Zoom filter to a potato except oh, it's yeah. Cory Monteith. Yeah. I'm just imagining his inner monologue in the microwave. Like, it's a new <laughs> season. I've moved from the shelf to the microwave, but I'm still not on my game. I just feel like there's so many things going on, and the bladder rotates constantly. And will I ever settle down? I mean, that is Chris, him. That that was brilliant. Thank you. I have all the charisma of Cory Monteith. <laughs> I feel like you have more, like that. That in monologue. <laughs> whoa, whoa! I careful mean, what you say there. Listen, I like to compliment my friends, um, but I feel like that was so much more but poetic only on than a low bar. <laughs> Thank you. But thank that was you. so much more poetic than like anything that would be going on in Finn Hudson's mind. This is no, why I could never write for Glee. This is the sad truth. Just would never work out. <laughs> You're too good. Too smart. <sighs> so sad. So, um, yeah, Emma's like, you reappropriated this song of yours from prom to be like our first kiss song or whatever, or our, our slow dance yeah. song. And he was like, Oh no, sorry, my bad. I I didn't didn't mean Very it. Much my bad. And then I just like that. I mean, like, and then Emma too was like, yeah, you need to spend some time alone. Maybe he's yeah. not good at being alone. Yeah, that's evident. I do like that. Emma said, "Can you go now?" Yeah, 
Emma was just being a real adult, which is basically being like, this was a bad idea, which they knew, and then tried anyway, and then she's like, I am a human with feelings, and I don't really want to look at you right now. It's Right. You love to see a little bit of actual adult uh, interactions. Especially because Emma, to this point, has been, like, the most grounded thing in this universe. Yeah. Like, as the guidance counselor, as, like, the voice of reason in a lot of ways, like... Yeah. And then my only final note is that Finn is gonna... Finn's just really shitty sometimes. Finn is... We're back in the hallway, of course. And Finn's like, no. I wanna, like, I wanna be with you. I even circled some dates in our calendar. But she can't be a couple. Because she also, well, like, claims... Because she can't that, say yeah. that she's still dating Jesse. So she right. says it's for the team. Yeah, she claims that she's taking one for the, te- the team. And then Finn's like, I don't give up that easy. And I'm like... I don't know who you are, Finn. He's kind of a shitty teenage boy who's jerking around Rachel's emotions, frankly. Absolutely. Yeah, that's it. Thank you. And then we end on the song. Yes, but I uh, right yeah. before that, and I on appreciate that. happy that... note, a song. Yeah, we end on another hello song, Hello Goodbye. Um, well, what I thought delightful. when we got here was like, oh, we ended on the hello song that was always going to be the hello song. Yes. Right. It's the first one you think of when you think of a song that has hello. You probably are thinking well, of Well, in a pre-Adele world, it's the first one I think of. Yes. Yes. Yeah. We Adele, are talking. Hello is Adele. No, Adele's hello is not not in this. I wish, like, Mike Chang were, like, a singer because, like, it would have been a really cool glee club where he was, like, the male lead. Because he can also dance? Well, that, but also I just think he has so much more stage presence than, like, most of the other boys on that stage. Yeah, because he knows how to move. And that's probably what it ties into, but it's like, I guess he's, like, the dude I enjoy watching the most of that group. Mm-hmm. It's funny that to me that TV generally does not reward you for knowing how to move. It rewards you for knowing how to stand still and, you know, be in the camera frame consistently. And so, right. you know who's really good at that? Corey is really good at that because he literally <laughs> is incapable of moving. Uh, yeah, I, I can see it. But this is a show where I agree the people who are most interesting to watch are none of the main characters. Right. I thought the song was solid. Um, it's fun to see another, like, ensemble thing. Um, it's very, like, the Glee standard to then just end on a musical number, not end on anything else. Which also kind of became the standard for all shows for about a decade you know Mm -hmm. they wouldn't have the musical number performed by the cast but like every drama every breaking bad every episode of every show that was a good show ended with a musical montage yep of some like really hip song or period appropriate piece like you know I watched The Americans and that's one of my favorite shows ever and they did that like end of episode musical montage to perhaps the best of any show and to watch this is to remind me that like you know it comes from glee mm-hmm. <laughs> yep a whole decade of prestige drama born from, from glee. glee can you believe it another thing we have to thank ryan murphy for i I'd hate thanking not. him but yes you're correct add it to the list and that's th- and that's the episode guys we did uh, it, somehow. Do you end thanking Ryan Murphy every week? I'm just, you know, checking in. No, absolutely not. Once someone okay. threatened to shit on his floor. Yes. <laughs> so. Yeah, that was a fun one. So, you know, it goes, there's hills and valleys. There's a range is what you're saying. Just like his work, there's a range. Yes. There's a range. There is. Now we must 
make the most difficult decision of all. Which is to say that, so this episode featured one, two, three, four, five, six. Five and a half songs if you want to count uh, Will singing ne- over the Neil Diamond. That's your prerogative. Did but they release only... that as a song? No. Okay. They really only released the five singles. But we bend the rules here. Which is, uh, let's say that you have 99 cents to spend on iTunes. And you have to buy and add to your iPod one of these songs. Which one's it going to be? Mm. No one's saying you have to listen to it, but you do have to own it. This is a really tough call. Uh, Period specific, I feel like the answer is the Beatles song, because you could Mm -hmm. not buy the Beatles on iTunes back then. And so a cover of the Beatles would sneakily let you own a 99 cent download of the Beatles. Correct. All right. That's a good answer. Yeah. I mean, I think I would go with, uh, I think I would do the same one. Really? It was not See? a remarkable number, but it is the one that I can immediately hear in my head again at the end of the episode. I'm like, yeah, because it's a great song, and they did a great job with it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's a song that adapted well for, like, show choir. Yeah. Right. I think my answer is the wrong answer, but I have to go with um, Finn's cover of Hello, I Love You. Hey, that was my second choice, so... I that's. I mean, that, that yeah. was solid, though. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I would probably say that's my second choice. Honorable mention to the Lionel Richie duet. Oh, sure. That was uncomfortable. I wouldn't pay for it, but I might pirate it off YouTube. Okay. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, I would have downloaded that on LimeWire. Yes. Uh, well... YouTube to MP3 for that one. Yes. Uh, the throwbacks, kids. But then... Oh, this one takes a little thought. But we have a special segment, which is, of course... Now, having watched at least this episode of Glee. Right. Mm-hmm. This might be a mm-hmm. difficult question for you, Chris, mm-hmm. because you yeah. have a bit of a limited knowledge, but I'm therefore very interested to hear what your answers are. Go on, Karina. Yeah. Uh-huh. Is there a song that you wish would have been covered, like been in Glee, been covered by oh, some Glee kids? I mean, in this episode, all I could think was like, when is Adele going to show up? And then I had to remind myself that it was yeah. 2010. I was yeah. just like, this episode is begging for Adele. But you know that would have been Leah Michelle by herself in the rain singing hello to no one in particular. Yes, it would not have been good, but I, I craved it nonetheless. I, you know, I'm, I, I, I'm sure. like a good consumer. I, I may not like what I want, but I want it. All right. Uh, so they do cover Adele a couple of times in Glee, but I, I can't figure out what happened first glee got canceled or adele's hello came out hello came out in 2015 it's something that we will never know actually it's impossible to find out yeah well you'll never get to see that um Uh, but you're right it would have been leah michelle it would have probably been a perfectly fine cover um which does lead to the second part part two is there a song you're very glad that glee never got their little paws on or like an artist or like well, an Well, actually, entity. my answer is exactly yeah. the same in this case. It's Hello by Adele. Because, again, <laughs> I didn't say it would be good. I didn't say I would like it. I just, I, my, my lizard brain was craving it through the whole episode. And the fact that we were spared it actually keeps Adele pure for me. So now you can just go listen to Hello by Adele. Yes, you do know as soon as we're done, likely. I am going to blast Hello by Adele. That, that is going to happen. Very valid. <laughs> Your dog's going to um, be like, what the fuck is happening? Yeah, uh, that's you know. a correct answer. 
Chris Barlow, thank you so much for being on our show. Um, Thank you so much for having me and for, um, uh, well, popping my glee cherry. I didn't want to say that, but then I thought about the themes of the episode, and I was like, honestly, glee would say it that way. So, you know. Yes. Very very true to the universe. And is there anything you would like to plug while you're here? Of course. You know, you, you said such nice things about my newsletter, and it really is a nice newsletter. So I think everyone should check it out at uh, BYOB News. You know, it's like bring your own beverage. BYOB. BYOB News. Dot WTF. Oh, beautiful. Is, that's wait, the domain that name the... I own. I own that domain name. Hell yeah. Oh, Mazel Tov. Um, yeah, and where can people find you on social media if they care to do so? Um, it's the at symbol. I am Chris Barlow. Uh, mm-hmm. You can find me on Twitter. Uh, you can try to find me on Instagram, but I hide because I don't want big Instagram to follow me with their reels and their stories. It, uh, you and know, I'm just afraid. Tab. I'm afraid. Right. Well, valid. And where can people find you, Karina? Um, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Epic Adventure of. Um, uh, I guess if you want, you can find me on TikTok too. <laughs> I, I feel gross saying that, but yeah, it's me too. It's there. Mostly, yeah. what you'll find is one very good TikTok of my dog with Mama Me playing over the background, <laughs> which people don't appreciate enough. And then uh, me recycling my same bits from this podcast to try to get people from TikTok to listen to the podcast. Yeah. Um, mostly though, look at the dog one because it's very funny to me. Um, Ian, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at ibroski, enjbrodsky.com. And I guess, again, if you want to see my attempt at, like, shameless self-promotion, you can find me at ibrods on TikTok. Um, I'm so impressed with both of you for being on TikTok. It is my third time trying TikTok. Um, I, I... I use it the way a Gen Z person uses TikTok, which I don't think makes me a good person. It just makes me, um, I'm there. Anyway, if you want to find the show, you can do so at Glee Aggressive (laughs) on all the social media platforms. And please send us your thoughts in long form essay format at gleeaggressive at gmail.com. And if you would like to tip the show, because we do the show for free, um, you can follow the link in our show notes. Um, Yeah. And as always, uh, rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends, share it wherever. Yeah. Share it on TikTok. I don't know. Share it on TikTok. Why not? (laughs) Just Um, don't share it on Instagram Reels. Don't put it on Reels, because then you're not cool. You're just behind the times. But thank you, everyone, for joining us, Chris. It was a pleasure. Thanks, guys. And that was episode 14. Join us next week. We'll be watching season one, episode 15 ominously called the power of madonna i wonder who that could be about um well tune in next week to find out i think it's gonna be about j-lo i hope so it better be otherwise i want my money back does ian does this episode of glee make you want to watch another episode of glee um i mean i don't know adina menzel's in it now if adina menzel's in it then yes i don't know if she's in next episode but she's around Well, we'll find out next week. It should be called The Power of Idina, really. Yeah!